Hey everyone, welcome to episode 241 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I was joined by Jonathan Buford, a landscape photographer and the founder and owner of Arizona Wilderness Brewing Company. Jonathan founded his brewery with a conservation focus and goal, which intersects with his personal goals for his photography as well. Jonathan is working on a photography book project where he is focusing on all 90 wilderness areas in Arizona with the hopes of showing the world why these places are so special and why we need to do more to protect them as photographers. Over on Patreon this week, Jonathan and I talk about the realities of running a small business and he shares some tips that have helped him succeed in running his small business. So if you're looking to support the podcast financially and get some bonus content, head over to patreon.com forward slash f-stop and listen. Before we get to the show, I wanted to recommend a workshop to you. My friends Gary Randall and Chris Byrne co-lead a Columbia River Gorge workshop from April 20 through April 23, 2022, where you will get the opportunity to learn from two great professionals and photograph some of the world's most impressive waterfalls. They keep the workshop small and offer a 5 to 1 teacher to student ratio, and the price is very competitive as well. Head over to chrisburnphotography.com to learn more or find a link in the show notes. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Jonathan Buford, it's awesome to have you, man. Hey, Matt, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course, no problem at all. And uh, my fellow landscape photographers in Arizona tell me uh, that somebody uh, I should get on the podcast, I listen, and your name has come up, and and it's great to have you here. That's an honor. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like landscape photography is like it's – you've got to tell the story of Arizona. It's impossible to do it with just uh, words. And, you know, photography is an outlet to show this crazy place that no one ever understands. So it's awesome that people have seen my stuff or know me for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we could probably banter back and forth for like six hours straight because we both love craft beer. We both yeah. love wilderness. We both love photography. Um, but we should probably structure that in some way. So <laughs> yeah, good call. <laughs> so what I'd love um, to do is just have you tell us a little bit about yourself and also learn about how you got into photography. Awesome. Yeah. So I I grew up in the Midwest, specifically Ohio, and pretty typical um, small town family. My dad was a pastor, you know, and, and I grew up in a Christian household, but they always let me go my own way. Um, but you know, I moved. I, I moved to Columbus, Ohio, when I was supposedly going to college, and parted my ass off at Ohio State. And I just it, the West called me, man. You know, it's got a heart and soul. It's got a spirit, and it it calls certain groups of people. And and sometimes it calls us to do more than just sit in air conditioning in the Phoenix sun. Uh, and I, I I just was fascinated with Arizona. Um, when I got here, I was 19 years old. I had 350 dollars in my name, and uh, found a small apartment and got a job. And, and, uh, I just immediately, um, uh, said, let's get out of the city limits of Phoenix. And, and I've been exploring for nearly 20 years. That's 19 years ago. Um, met my wife, you know, luckily, uh, cause I wouldn't have come home. <laughs> and, and so I, I've been married to her for 16 years now. Um, and we've, you know, we've, we've gone through the, the suburbs lifestyle, but I, I don't take, I don't go out, you know, when I say I like the, I like the wilderness. I don't like 
the simple car camp. I like to go deep with my stuff on my back. And so I don't go with her. So it's more of a lone thing. And, you know, I think why I got into landscape photography was I, I, I bet everyone shares this similar story. A lot of people I should do is, you know, you saw the likes of Jack Dykinga. I mean, you can even just throw in the easy ones, um, you know, Mark and Dave Munch and, and Ansel Adams and, you know, the, the obvious ones. And I don't think I ever said, wow, I want to be like them. It was to me um, a secret encoded message to, hey, this is what you, you know, this is what's cool to you. Um, I never studied an, an Ansel Adams photo and said, wow, I want to be exactly this. It was more or less like, again, like a secret handshake, like this is what you want to do. And I got the, you know, the point and click and made the first calendar in like 2004 or five or six, whenever it was, and sent it to the family. And it's like, whoa, cool. You know, you're so good. And, and I look back now and I, you know, they're shit, but I, they're not, they're beautiful. You know, it's what I actually saw. I didn't, I wasn't worried about, you know, rules of thirds or, you know, the concept of depth of field or anything. It was just like, this is what I'm seeing. And that's why I, I, I love to keep in my hobby. Um, I have, you know, I've had been published a few times and sold some, some art here and there, but for the most part, my, my hobby has turned into a passion um, to, to preserve the state of Arizona by showing people what it should look like, you know? And, and uh, you know, I, I did start a craft brewery called Arizona wilderness brewing company um, based on my love of photography and, and landscapes and said, <clears throat> you know, this is cool. Like I walk past, everyone knows the national forest wilderness signs. I walk past one of those signs that says, welcome to whatever wilderness. I know you got a couple outside of Durango and it's like, wait a minute, there's an invisible protected line that, that says, Hey, don't fuck this up past this point. Um, (laughs) That's amazing to me, you know, and humans actually somewhat, you know, you get that somewhat respect it and the government protects it. So I, I started a brewery based on that. And a lot of my photography and a few other friends photography, um, they do, um, you know, we make labels with them on it and, and we do, we just made a beer with Arizona highways magazine. Uh, so I've tied the whole thing together. I've skipped a lot of years of my life, but I think that sums up how I got into landscape photography and then, and then turned it into, um, a bigger part of my life. Nice. Yeah. I feel like that's good. That's a great, uh, introduction to a lot of the topics that I think we'll cover today. And I think, you know, I'll just dive right into the the kind of that first entry point into the brewing company. And I'd be really curious to learn a lot more about how photography led you to start that brewing company and what was the kind of connection between the two. The, yeah, I, I think one thing that's always offended me is how people view Arizona. I just can't stand it. It's always pissed me off. Um, 20 years later, I kind of get a little more why Scottsdale, Arizona, as all people seem to think they land in an airplane and they think they understand what they're looking at. Um, And so a lot of my photographical um, endeavors has been about sticking up for this state. Like I said, it called me. It has a spirit. It's almost like it needs to be told how beautiful it is. And, you know, you live in Colorado. There's a lot of respect for Colorado. There's a, Anyone's going to understand that, wow, there's dynamic landscapes in Utah. But Arizona's just got this, oh, yeah, desert and, and suburbs. And don't get me wrong, it's here. But I I got into the mode after that that first calendar. and But I got in the mode of saying, wow, I want to I show people that waterfall or that well before Instagram kind of wrecked some things um, or added uh, – 
an above level average human level to things, I should say. Um, I was really emphatic with a few friends to get out there and go a little deeper to show that really unique, you know, like we have fall from September to January, literally, uh, any date desert state does, you know, it goes all the way down to the cottonwoods and it's just such a wonderful thing. And so I, I had a, a chip on my shoulder from the beginning and it was less about selling photographs and, and being a fine art photography and more or less like, look at this. That doesn't make you money. Um, that that doesn't make. Um, That's my dogs barking in the background. And you gotta have wilder dogs when you're out there too. But um, that that really quickly that doesn't make you a lot of money. Um, and it's not a solid business plan to just go out and take photographs. It's just not. Uh, I did have a window cleaning business, and it was you know it was whatever success level I got to. It wasn't unsuccessful, but I was doing that out of my garage going on the weekend and being a weekend warrior. But again, I had the impetus, um, that aha moment of, I walked past a sign that was, it just, it blows my mind still to this day that think about how much we destroy in the world. Um, um, I, you know, I don't want to get too pessimistic on the human race, but our, our proclivities aren't to conserve things. Our proclivities are to uh, take them apart and build something new. And just the idea that wilderness, um, Howard Zaninger, if he didn't pass that in a 1964 Wilderness Act, it's just amazing to think Durango would be mined. Uh, the whole area around it would be mined. Um, Colorado would be a strip mine. <laughs> and there would be just some jagged peaks. It's amazing that that's an actual true statement. And so it just it took me back uh, a bit. And I had to think about it and ponder a lot. And that craft beer at the time was you get it. You're from, from Colorado. I, I have friends over at Scobbering coming down the road from you. And okay. you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of like, remember Modus Hopperande, their ICA. There was a lot of um, clamor to get beers like that. And just a lot of room for, for um, young um, ambitious people like myself to get into craft beer. And I just, it spoke to me when I saw that sign. Um, I, I cracked open a beer at night, you know, on the trail under the stars and said, I got to do this. It was just a, I had no choice, man. It's weird. I didn't really have this long winded business plan. I was like, I got to do this. I came home and told my wife and it just was, became ubiquitous. Craft beer became ubiquitous in this, in, in this country. It just, just happened. And I did get, we did a Kickstarter and I did get some investment in the beginning and uh, I, I opened in 2013 and, and, you know, it really it's really difficult to have – I'm really happy to have as much success as we had at the brewery, but it's very difficult to be a nature-based brewing company. You know, we have 160 employees, and not all of them are into what I'm into. And so I've had to learn to shift away from naming everything after wilderness areas or leave no trace policies. Everything's got to be a photography-based thing. So I sprinkle it in as much as I can while keeping our we've, – we've leaned into the conservation ethics-based company um, – which obviously as a landscape photographer, you don't want to see shit out there. And I'm trying to do my part by cleaning the trails up, by working with state parks to, you know, to have recreation be in isolated areas, uh, working with Arizona um, Trail Society, um, you know, to make sure that the AZT, uh, a very important trail to me, um, gets paved. So I'm getting to play in both worlds and make, you know, what I think is a, a, a small difference, but I think wilderness and, a, and the photography is finally coming together after nine years of doing this, and I'm pretty thrilled. Yeah, one of the things that I was really interested in talking to you about was 
the fact that your brewery does have such a large conservation focus, um, which I think is really awesome that you've been able to kind of blend in your kind of ethical beliefs uh, around wilderness and photography into your like holistically as part of like your entire life livelihood. I'm curious though, like why has that been such an important um, aspect to be such a central component of your business? We need it. It's needed. The Southwest isn't just in some political, you know, hubbub about global warming. It's true. I mean, we, we know rainfall data, we know soil data. um, We know erosion data that, that I trust it's happening it's falling apart. It's, it's eroding and degrading and we've over farmed it. We've overbuilt. And so in response, if we don't have, you know, especially corporations, if we don't have some sense of pride in our, in our um, landscapes, I don't, I just don't understand, you know, what the, the Southwest, the greatest landscape on planet earth, <laughs> what it's going to do, uh, how, it, how we expect it to maintain. It's all about erosion out here. That's what this, the beauty of this all is rough, rugged erosion. And so I think when you, it does take a few nights out, you know, in, in a mountain range or in a desert to start to realize how um, unimportant you are as a human. Now, insignificant. Yeah. You just stare at a colony of ants and realize that's what you look like. And I just feel confident that the wilderness spoke to me, Arizona, the Southwest spoke to me and it just gave me a message. Um, you know, I'm not trying to start a cult here and be religious about this, but it did. And, and, and that's, it just was written into my, my heart and soul about Arizona needs, you know, I'm just a small, tiny business and we don't do everything perfect. We have a lot of work to to go, but the idea that water is precious and beer takes water, um, I would have never guessed that we now we save 120 million gallons of water per year in the Verde River. We switched farms over to, instead of growing high water crops that get uh, harvested in June, in the worst month, we don't have monsoon in June, um, you get monsoon moisture up there as well. June can be dry, and obviously we understand fire season now is the worst season on, uh, it's I can go on and on about fire season, um, but you know we we switch the farmers over to barley and now and we malt that barley and they they harvest that in May, uh, which it it's grown mostly on rainwaters in February, our rainy month here. So it, it's just another uh, one of the things that we do at Wilderness that that comes from that moment of hey something's speaking to me, you know. Uh, there's this it's this uh, this force well below the the uh, crust of normal uh, communication that that's just saying start this brewery and, and work really hard at it. And, and so I'm, I'm working hard at it. <laughs> it's not easy to do everything. And it, especially in COVID, it was difficult, but yeah, that, that sums up some of what I'm going through. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. <clears throat> when I talk to a lot of other photographers who are engaging in practices that might not be super climate friendly activities, a lot of times, what you hear like that knee-jerk reaction from people is like, well, I got to make money somehow, or I got to survive somehow, or how else am I supposed to make money? Or So I'm guessing as a business owner who runs a brewery that can serve, you know, you consume uh, natural resources to make beer, you kind of probably have to grapple with some of those um, ethical conundrums yourself. So I'm curious, like, what are some of the ways that you've kind of addressed those issues for yourself as a business owner And and maybe talk a little bit about um, how that has influenced your photography as well. 
We've, yeah, well, I'm amazed if photographers aren't seeing what I'm seeing out there. Um, that That's amazing. I, I'm hoping all photographers know that they have a certain level of uh, contribution they need to put in because we are, we are showing the world what it looks like out there. Um, but, you know, again, that might be for a different podcast, but I, I do feel a great level of um, responsibility. Um, I do with my brewery as well. And it's like, I, I understand that we do need to have capital. I mean, my, I'm a very capital intensive brewery, but we have governed ourselves to not grow like some of the other breweries in the world. Uh, New Belgium's a specific brewery that I still adore. They're a B Corp. I love them. I love what they stand for, but they grew pretty quickly and we learned from them, uh, you know, go up there, call them, Hey, you know, what what would you do differently? And gr- fast growth is a is a detriment in a lot of American way. And I used to be white picket fences. Now it's not. It's get the mansion and grow fast, buy stocks, go crazy. And, and maybe we don't need as much money as we think. Uh, if you're fed three times a day and you have a meal, and heck, if you can afford a camera, um, you're doing pretty well. And with the brewery, we've governed ourselves to not grow. We did gain some popularity, but to not grow at the rate that I think we probably could have. Definitely could have been what they call a regional brewery, and I could have taken over the West. And we saw that and said the impact just, it won't, we won't be able to catch up to what we want to do. You know, uh, we're not even on solar yet. We're in year eight, and we're here, we tout all this conservation. We're not even on solar. It takes a long time to get those kind of things done. The faster you grow, the harder it is to catch up. So we limit that at Wilderness, and we really do. Uh, we have a culture where we try to intru- include all of our staff members and boy, it's helpful to have people around you who give feedback and have open candor, especially on your leadership team who reminds you that, Hey, I came over here to this company because your beautiful photography spoke to me and you had all these ethical things. So they'll give you feedback and they'll let you know you're being an asshole. Um, <laughs> that's the business side on the photography side. You know, there is so much good in landscape photography. There's so many beautiful things about it. The ugliness, you can really perpetuate it. You know, the Instagram culture or um, I do have a friend who made a waterfall somewhat famous out here. But I'll tell you what. I have a friend uh, named Darwin. Uh, his handle is Darwin on the trail. Uh, and he started a company called Outdoor Evolution. He's now famous for it. He's got buku followers. But he stopped me one time and said, you can't keep getting upset that people are going on on the trail. You have to facilitate them. You have to do something about it. Anger is going to do nothing. So I, I took that seriously. You know, that waterfall, if you think about it, 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 it's beautiful that people are going to see in a waterfall in Arizona and they're learning outdoor ethics. Maybe I can contribute more um, when we take a photograph. We can talk about leave no trace policies on that, on that post. Um, we can talk about the Native American uh, tribe that it actually belongs to and maybe be more informative. You can still make your dollar. You can still do that, but maybe be more informative about what the photo is actually representing because it, it, you are taking something from the land when you take a photo of it and you are getting personal gain out of that. So I think there is this level of responsibility and not to go overboard, but I think a little hashtag, you know, or a little, um, you know, and, um, paraphrase at the bottom you know, this was taken on um, a, a Native American tribal land, and we don't pay them for this photo. Just consider if you're going to ever go visit, maybe drop them a dime on their website, or consider any trash you leave. It has to be picked up by somebody, and if it's not picked up by somebody, it ends up in your water. 
it, it always finds its ways. It, and and I, I know that that's kind of you know maybe it's uh, benign and it's semantical, but it, we do have um, ethics when we're out there, and I think we should talk about the scenes a little more of what it took to get there and why it's important. I I, I think being vulnerable in a post talking about why this photo was so important to me. It's so much different than just baseball trading card culture where it's like, Oh cool. You got the hot thing, you know, the Yosemite sunset thing. Like that's great. But why does that mean a lot to you? And I've noticed that that develops a better fan base. Um, if that makes sense, Matt, you know, I know that's, deep, you know, I just feel like being vulnerable in your ph- photography is very important to me. And I think Ansel Adams, who, you know, I, I assuming a ton of people view him as I do as an idol I like that he got vulnerable. I like that he opened up about some things and talked about it and wrote books about it. And it's so much different than here's a really bright, uh, perfectly photoshopped image of that moment. Look at me, like me, look at me, like me. Um, I'd rather you be vulnerable and talk about how it made you cry, you know, and how important it was to you. So sum that up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I hear you talking a lot about, um, responsibility we all share as photographers especially nature and landscape photographers and and i'm curious um you know i think that probably resonates for a lot of people and maybe for other people not so much but it resonates for me but one of the things that i think a lot of people struggle with is how to um, actuate on that responsibility like how do you go from having the feeling of responsibility to actually putting your money where your mouth is or or taking action in a way that's actually meaningful as it relates to the way you engage in photography. What do you think about that? Well, the first thing I can tell you is the, the idols that you follow, you know, I always loved Guy Tao. Um, I, I, I liked everything, Jack Dykinga here in the state. The idols that you follow, make sure you're looking a little past just the images, look at their um, how they live and how they respond to these topics. And there are a lot of really great landscape photographers who do talk about it. Um, there are a lot of landscape photographers that clearly just want to be famous for images. Good on them. But I really lean towards someone who's, again, vulnerable about the situation, the, the, the beauty of it. The, the ephemeral nature of, of na- nature not being talked about bothers me. It's like, you got this great photograph. You got this great scene. And boy, the light lined up. 500 years from now, the chance of that being a strip mine is pretty high. So to me, I, I, I look at leaders and say, I love that they realize that this is a part of their, their systematic way of getting a photograph from packing that pack, what lenses to bring to the processing. We all understand that, but I like the ones who incorporate the ethical value into it as well. Uh, you, you're not going to save the world. It, it's, it's not, I'm not, I don't think that this is that complicated uh, where it's like, if you're not doing it the right way, we're going to cancel you. No, it's just consider you're going out in landscape and you're making people love what, what they see. So consider that how you got there, how you got the scene, what the scene actually represents. It isn't really for you to tell. <laughs> it's, it's in nature and it's already in place. So consider you're a part of a process. Uh, you're not the, the, the coolest kid in the block because you got the shot. You're part of a process that nature created. And you should feel, I think, you know, Matt, to be honest, the more it popped in my mind is you should feel very humble to even be at that shot. And again, that vulnerability of just allowing that moment to be special. 
and not allowing the post-processed image to be the number one thing that you focus on. Allow that moment to be special and realize that there's only one like it. And, and I think from there, you know, like I do at the brewery, I, I don't go in and say we must be a conservation company. It happens because we hired a lot of people who love conservation and we believe in conservation. We love the state. I think it, someone who loves the, their area will just naturally lean towards what we're talking about right now. If that makes sense, you know, it's, it's like, it'll naturally flow out of you. Yeah. It's, um, I like what you said. Yeah. You know, I, I always, or at least lately, I've kind of looked at nature and landscape photographers as kind of nature's ambassadors. Like we're mm-hmm. telling the story of nature through our images, but I think we can go further than that. You know, we can talk about, you know, what makes this particular location vulnerable or, what is something that people that maybe have never been to that type of environment, what should they know about it in order to maybe have a better appreciation of it? Or, you know, maybe little little tidbits or factoids about the, the geology or the, or the, the plant life or, or the animals that are there and like what makes them special and what's something you should be aware of so that, you know, if, if you want to go to these places, these are things that you should maybe think about before you go because it could, you could have an impact a negative impact by being there, which to some degree is unavoidable as a photographer. Mm-hmm. But I think the more you know, the more you educate yourself and the more you educate others, the the, the less that's going to happen over time if we can educate enough people um, through, through, through our posts and through our ambassadorship and stewardship mm-hmm. of, of nature. Yeah. And again, that's not complicated, right? Isn't that, that's, you can't, you, your response can't possibly be, well, I got to make a buck. I mean, do you want to make a buck on a detrimental <laughs> practice? I mean, that sounds terrible, but it, it, this is not very complicated. And and it's, it's exciting to be on Instagram and showing people what you do, but I would still recommend anyone to getting in a dark room once in your life. Um, I'm not an expert in any way. I've been in one twice and I saw a, a minimal amount of process, but I think what it taught me was the purity of photography was based on the actual light that hit a sensor. It was actually that. It wasn't about what you can turn it into. It was literally that. And I, I, I would recommend anyone who's seriously taking photography as even me as a passionate, I mean, it, it, it's a hobby, but it has made money for me. I go take a four by five camera out. Consider that I haven't, I'm jealous of, of anyone who has, but the more I think about it, that would be a smart thing to do is do that, go to a dark room and just learn what the purity of light is, because that's the purest form. And now we are dealing with the devil here. <laughs> you know, I get a shot and I do consider what will make people the most excited. And that is the antithesis of everything I've just said. So I think it, there, it, it's cool to be pure. I'll be honest. I think the best photographers are the ones that lean towards purity of the shot and the scene and care about, again, they're vulnerable to the scene saying, wow, I'm just humbled to be here. And I like that uh, in photographers. And and some of them are pretty clear when you read their descriptions of a scene. Some of them are really clear when you just see like, how did they fill that foreground? It's like they were in love with the scene, right? They didn't just think about the post like effect. Um, they were in love with that, you know, aspen leaf, you know, whatever that may be. I'm thinking because I have a trip this weekend uh, shooting fall colors, but it's like you get what I'm saying. There are some scenes that you can just tell that there was, um, you know, a moment where they were not a human. They were actually part of nature. And and 
those are the things that I'm looking for. And I'm, I'm hoping the young generation is looking for, because it's, it's that everything is progress and progressing at fast rates and technology is not going to stop. But I don't know the purity of that four by five camera, uh, pull up that curtain or whatever, you know, I'm going to the extreme, just consider getting a 35 millimeter and just going out and processing it and seeing what the, the you know, get some velvet if you want to have fun with it, you know, but just check it out and see what uh, natural photography looks like and understand that that's where this came from. One of the things that you started to touch on there that really caught my attention was kind of the, the power of language and the clarity of language uh, in terms of what we say about our images or how we describe our experiences as photographers. And I'm always cognizant or sensitive to when I see someone who it's obvious that the photography and nature is like a transactional experience for them. Like, like getting that photo, uh, they're using nature for self-benefit and to, you know, to get their rocks off and maybe to sell a client on a workshop or, you know, like sell prints. And, and I'm not saying like workshops and prints, that's great stuff. Um, but you can always tell like when that's the primary motivation of somebody, when it's purely motivated on a transactional thing. And so I also don't know that those individuals are cognizant of that in themselves. I don't know if that's yeah. something they're aware yeah. of. But I think doesn't, Peter curious if you doesn't Peter Lake get accused of this sometimes? It's not fair to speak. I don't know him, but I think that he gets accused of that, that type. I think his images are amazing, but I've heard that like, this character that he's built i i don't know it's probably not fair to even bring him up um but i have heard that where when we would poke at someone like this that's the first person that i would hear i'm like you know everyone has their own method don't just judge the book by its cover because when you find success it is not as easy as you think to maintain that success it sucks some days Uh, but you're right like there are some obvious signs on some some photographers where maybe they even kind of lean into they're bigger than they think they are <laughs> and you're like okay so you've had a couple good moments but i think the best photographers are the ones that uh, the photograph goes on to teach people something like jack that king in arizona here won a pulitzer prize uh, for <clears throat> um i think it was like a a tree frog in in a i don't remember texas or something like that where he he it documented that and it's like that's cool to me. That's cool. Uh, the sunset that, you know, over, you get it. <laughs> the, the, the very good shot, like those are important. I want those too. I really do. But that's not, that's not enough substance to, to, to make your life turn into that. But you're right. You can, you can sense it, you know, and Instagram has gotten to where it's like a pure language. It's a new form of communication. You can sense like, are you even having fun out there? <laughs> you know, are you, are you, aware that you're even in the the natural side of the world when you're taking that because it comes off like like almost like uh this was supposed to happen these these shots were supposed to happen and i don't know i'm not that great of a photographer when i get a good shot i feel like holy shit what had to happen to get me here and how the 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 whole thing came together i feel lucky i feel fortunate i feel um like like the gods have rained down some luck on me. And then I go back to my average photography right after that. But, you know, I don't expect <laughs> it. I don't I don't believe that it's even though I've been doing this and I spent a lot of money on it and I've put a lot of effort on those backpacks to get that shot. I don't feel like it's supposed to happen. So I, I noticed that sometimes I read 
into things too much, but I'm like, I almost feel like they they believe like they every time they go out, this is the the magic that I see. And I'm like, no, no, that's that's not my experience. I get blue right, sky. Yeah, that, that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, I get blue dusty sky, and and and, and you know, the, I, I I don't I love when it works, but I don't expect it to. Yeah, yeah. I, don't you feel like some of that comes from experience? I mean, I'd, I'd be really curious if if you were to talk to yourself like 15 years ago as a photographer and if if you'd be surprised at some of the things that you're saying today in terms of experience <laughs> and then like, what, you know, how you're describing your process and, and what it's like to, to make a good photograph. Because I, when I think about myself, I don't think I was having any of these thoughts in my mind, you know, back in 2010 or whatever, but what, for, what about for you? It's a great point. Like, <laughs> um, Arizona specifically, you know, I've, I've done some shooting outside of Arizona, but I just, I'm so in love with Arizona. I, I just, uh, I could be here shooting the rest of my life. No questions asked and much respect to people who do it differently, you know, but I thought it was the biggest, most unique place ever. And it has gotten smaller. You you get that, you know, I'm sure you feel that in your area where it's like, it's not as complicated as once. But man, there's still days and many of them. And every time I go out, there's something new that just blows my mind. I like that because in in the beginning, it was all like, it was like all this grandeur all the time. And I think I overdid it. (laughs) Um, That's normal. Yeah. Photography is funny and especially wide angle photography where you're, you know, if your mind thinks that this is grandest you're gonna wide angle the shit out of that and include every possible thing and go look i got everything <laughs> um on an eight mil or like 11 mil crop and it's like um i i would go back and probably see someone who really um was having a good time like i am today i'm proud of that i i don't think that a lot of stuff has changed but again i don't need to make a bunch of money on this i don't i need it to be incorporated in wilderness brewing company but I don't, I, I am working on a book right now, but I don't have to be. I'm going to put my own money into it on, on all 90 wilderness areas on the state of Arizona. I don't have to do that. So I, I, I think that in, in the beginning, I would have been um, a little like, you know, we, the term mapster baiting, <laughs> like I would have been looking at a map every night going, oh my gosh, I got to get there. And I've been to a lot of those places now and it's less about the exploration and more about the comfort of, oh, I, I miss being in West Fork of Oak Creek in fall. I miss being on Chiricahua Peak during a monsoon. And when I get back, there's a little nostalgia. I love that um, just as much as I love finding it out for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. It's I feel like when you're first getting into photography, you have this like burning desire to explore as many places as you, as you possibly can. And I think after you start you know, seeing some of those places, you start to, some of them you get more attached to than others and you start having favorites and you want to go back to those places over and over again. And I'd much rather would do that than, you know, like you were saying, trading baseball cards. I, I've never heard anyone <laughs> say that, but I really, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, I was very heavily into trading baseball cards when I first started, but now it's more about revisiting that first edition baseball collection and trying to see if I can make something else new with that awesome. same place. So, yeah, that's We all funny. go through a journey, right? And, and, and I think as you get some wisdom, it's, it's really helpful to go back to some of the younger crowds or 
or anyone who's just getting into it and saying, it's okay to be average. It's okay to feel like shit. It's okay to get a bad photo. It's okay to fuck it up and have no one like it. It's okay. And you'll, your, your time will come too if you keep going at it. Don't want it every time. Really, really, really consider that the exploration of that shot is actually better than the shot itself. And, and finding that moment is so much better than the reward, dopamine reward cycle of Instagram likes. It's so much better. Getting your first $100 is the greatest thing ever, but maintaining that is difficult. <laughs> maintaining a, a business is difficult and the journey is what we're here for. And, and that's something I consider passing down, you know, even DMing every once in a while, someone is like, Hey, great shot. Um, but I really liked your less liked one because I can tell you actually saw something there and, and you, you know, you really, really played with light on those blades of grass and that's boring to some people, but it's actually to me more enticing. And they'll write back like, thanks for that. You know, I felt the same way. It's like, but I didn't talk about it, <laughs> you know, cause I knew no one would like it. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to see the world of photography turning into, I don't talk about the, the posts or the photos that I like. I only talk about the ones that I think the home run hitters. I don't know. We all have that. I I, I have one that I always refer to. Um, it's just it's it's just how it lined up with Suarez in the sun. Um, it's not all that enticing if you want it to be, you know, like this world class photo. But everyone has a comment on that photo when they see it on Instagram. Fifty people liked it. No comments. No one gives a shit. But someone you show someone in your family or a friend or put it you know in front of the my brew team or anybody, and they all go, "Wow, there's something you saw something there." That means a lot more to me than the major uh, scenes, um, you know. And and I I I really want to pass that on to the younger crowd because it is it is degrading to. Um, only become that like button it's just degrading and and you have more to you and your fuck-ups are okay it's all good you came back and you didn't you didn't nail it it's all good it's okay it, it, it was a privilege to go out there and just consider that more often yeah it's interesting i um, i love what you just said because uh for me i actually a lot of the times enjoy the process of trying to make a uh, make sense of a scene or make sense of a of an image, you know, in the field, then actually the, the end result, like okay, end result was cool, you know, and if it's, if it's, you know, epic or whatever, that's awesome. But I, I, I find my most favorite and most memorable moments often are times when, you know, I find something that just speaks to me and I'm trying to figure out how to convey what that speech is in my mind in the composition. And it's not always going to be this like smash you across the face with a sledgehammer moment, right? It, it might be these subtle things that only only you were able to distill. And, you know, it might not be the, you know, I might not get a million likes on Instagram, but you're, you're always going to remember that photo. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it's funny, the nostalgic moments that are created, you just remember the look, the smell, the, you know, the feel of the air. I love that. Um, you know, another funny thing that I fall into, maybe you do too, I, I, <clears throat> I get really either... I'm one of two things. I'm either going to switch out all lenses. I, I usually go from 11 to 150 millimeter. Like, I, you know, I have three lenses that would cover that. I switch all lenses. I'm a little, you know, trigger happy, shutter bug happy, or I will not switch lenses. And I'm going to use this, you know, long range lens and I'm going to compress everything. 
I'm one or the other. And I'm learning that not switching lens, I'm having way more fun out there. I'm really going and saying, I really want to, you know, have a mid-range scene today, compress it a little bit, but have a small foreground, you know, maybe at like a 35 to 50 mil. I, I shoot on, on Fuji X-T4 crop. So, but I'm learning that there's a lot of parallels to life in that too. Like just stay in a lane. Don't be so ADD about it. And and I, I think I'm enjoying that right now a little more than like, oh my God, I'm going to, like, I'm in the middle of a sandstorm switching <laughs> switching lenses on a, you know, it's like the things you don't do, but you just got to, you know, there's so much frantic nature and, and, and like, I, it is more fun to be chill out there. It is, you know, and go, okay, I'll switch lenses if I have to, but I want to work a scene that I could fit into this lens and I'm having more fun. And again, that's probably a little age, um, you know, a little less desire to have to succeed every single time and just allow the flow to happen. Yeah, I think for me, that boils down to motivation and um, like what's driving you. I think for a lot of people, either people who are just starting out, um, who are trying to compare themselves to others and they're trying to be like others or people that um, maybe they don't get out to make photos very often and they feel like they have to take advantage of every possible moment or else it's a waste of time, quote unquote. Um, I think most of us have kind of been through that phase at some point or another. And where I've come to land is, you know, just enjoy being out there. And if you make a good photograph that you love, that's awesome. And if you don't, that's cool too. I mean, a day out in nature and in the wilderness is always going to be better than not. So um, focus on that. And I think the end results are going to become more personal and more personally satisfying and, probably be more unique to you as well. Yeah. Well, Matt, I have a friend who I'll, I'll recommend at the end, but I can look at one of his scenes, you know, generally for the most part, 99% of the time and know it's his scene. And that's the ultimate compliment. When someone can look at one of your scenes and go, Oh, that's a, you know, it's a Matt Payne scene. That's it. Um, that is, that means that you have gone through the ups and downs, ins and outs to find out what works for you. And hopefully you know, when you find your style, you are happy. Um, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're that old dog now uh, who's gone through these moments that we're talking about because it is hard to uh, mimic others all the time. It's really difficult to look at others and try to do that. It's also hard to not have a, have a rhythm. It's difficult. I went through that phase where you've cussing at your tripod the whole time. Um, you're just so mad at everything because it's not lining up. And then the scene that you get on those days don't look like other scenes. It might be good still, but I love when I see, uh, um, you know, someone who I'm familiar with go, oh, that's, you know, that's a guy tell scene. And no questions asked. I know, I know that that's, um, you know, and, and that's why I think Ansel Adams is so wonderful. It's like, oh, that's an, you know, obviously it's monochrome, and but it's just, that's the ultimate to me. That's the ultimate compliment is I could tell that was you before even seeing your name on it. And that's yeah, like, a, I think. I think that comes from that kind of realization that, um, you know, you need to slow down mm -hmm. or just, you know, just be yourself, like just be you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Meditation's one of those like hot new things, but it's true. Like breathe. <laughs> I don't know if you ever got pissed off of your tripod, but it's like that, that is like my mortal enemy at times out there. Um, it, and it is funny because, 
you put this pressure on yourself as a photographer. I don't, again, I don't, it, it might be my personality for this pressure of the moment. And I'm like, I breathe and think about it now a little more and go, well, I could have been here earlier. <laughs> you know, I could have been more prepared. Maybe my tripod, I, sh- I, I, I got a really right stuff tripod recently. And it took me 10 years of breaking Manfrotto's and, you know, like, you know, the, all the brands, we all know the brands. It's like, it's only 250 but I could have bought a better tripod. And I try to do that now where, where like, it's just so funny to hear a landscape photographer swearing on nature. And the thought of that just makes me cringe, but it, I've been there, you know, like, what the fuck is going on here? It's not working. The sun's going down. It's like, get there earlier, get a better tripod, accept the failure. <laughs> it's so much yeah. more fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've all well, been, doesn't it make you feel more normal that we all have done that? <laughs> I, I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, uh, you touched on it earlier, but I want to talk about this project that you're working on and I'll just kind of kick it off with a question. So what prompted you to, to want to photograph all 90 wilderness areas in Arizona? Yeah, man. Um, I'll try to keep this concise cause I'm very passionate about it. Um, yeah, but it is important to me to have wilderness in a curriculum of some level. Um, there's a lot of social things going on in the world right now. There's a lot of things politically going on. But wilderness, it's fair to say, uh, will always be something that should be known by all. It is public lands. And a lot of countries around the world, and I visited many of them, have their own version of it based on a lot of it's based on our 64 Wilderness Act. Um, but without wilderness, and I don't know if you're an Ed- Edward Abbey fan, um, but I'm an Abbey country. and I uh, I just got done reading Desert Solitaire. Oh, nice. My, hopefully it's going to be dog-eared and you'll have your 10th read and you'll learn something new. And, and I always love after reading, you become sardonic and... You know, but he he has, I think chapter twelve, uh, that famous wilderness section, and I'll just listen to it and learn something new every time. Um, but it's true, wilderness will be the only place we have left to see what it's like to live on planet Earth. <laughs> I don't mean that. I don't take that lightly, and I don't say that lightly. It really will be not all that long from now, maybe five hundred years. There will be no land left, and if we don't protect that, it, it you just can't i mean why live <laughs> what's life without seeing earth and its beauty and its diversity um and its systems of of you know precipitation and erosion and so the book is i'm certainly not uh saying that i can recreate that i'm, I'm just a small speck of dust trying to do my best and the book is about um showing how important wilderness is to the state and maybe turning some heads. Again, I have that chip still where it's like, what? You know, it's not swarls with crows, um, buzzers going around a swarl with the sun in the background. Um, I thought you, you know, just had the Grand Canyon. Yeah, right. Wow. That, there's <laughs> another canyon in the state of Arizona. Uh, you know, it's like the Colorado Rockies has, you know, has different types of rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, the, the book is also... Um, I've gone through my battles with it as anyone who has tried to work on a project of that, of what am I actually doing? Uh, self-motivated people and ambitious people know exactly what I'm talking about. You change the uh, rules of engagement. I just took a month off, which has been healthy. 
Um, and that's okay. Again, it's okay to not know what you're doing sometimes and change. But it has been so rewarding, Matt. I have been so thrilled with the idea that um, what the gang did back uh, in the original Wilderness Act and thinking back to even Teddy Roosevelt, the the Antiquity Acts and all those things that have gotten us here, I am just tickled every time I'm out there thinking this doesn't have to be here. <laughs> you do not have to have a trail going through a pristine high country forest that started in the desert. It could definitely be private property. So, you know, I have quite, you can tell, you know, again, I'm summarizing this, but I have quite a weight that I'm trying to get out in a book that's not, I don't want it to be selfish. It is personal, but I don't want it to be selfish where it's like, look at my photographs, but I also need it to be beautiful. And that's pressure. You know, when you drive six hours or 12 hours round trip to get one scene that you dreamt up of, you know, snow dropping on swaros and in, in a certain area that never had, you know, you, you push, you push and you push and you have your 52 pound pack on and you push and you might miss that scene. And that, those are moments where you can tell I've learned a lot from this book uh, where you, you just got to accept it. And that shot that you got, that was sub, you know, maybe subservient to the, the, the major one you wanted. I've had to accept that. Well, that is the wilderness at that moment. That is what it looked like. It was that, and it's okay that the lighting wasn't exactly what you wanted. And I've had such great inner dialogue. I've had horrible nights out there. Um, I've had wonderful mornings. I've had, you know, the thrills, this, the, the fear, uh, all the things you get from wilderness. And um, it's become more of a personalized uh, book than just a coffee table book. Um, I've been working with so many um, close who uh, will probably be the editor and she has uh, some clout in that world and has helped me understand some things differently. Um, creating a book is way more than just printing um, photos. So, you know, it, it's a huge project that I don't even quite know what it is yet, but you know, I, I'll just give you one moment of it. Um, I, during COVID um, climbed this fairly easy trail in you know, 3000 feet it's, it's got some elevation but um kendrick mountain it, it's outside of flagstaff and i sat up on top of that mountain in COVID, and i was the only one and there is something to that there's many mountains you can go be the only one and i would recommend it i would put that at the top of your bucket list someone listen to this go to a mountain and be the only one and then you know do what you do i wrote poetry that night and i think that poem will make it you know how four or five scenes from from Kendrick Mountain, but say, I just was struck that I'm the only human being on top of this mountain. And there is 8 billion of us. There's still some room left, you know? And so the book has shifted from like, here's how beautiful Arizona is in diversity to there is a spiritual aspect of wilderness. And here's what I saw. And I hope you can go, go get your own version of it. So it'll, it'll end up being a coffee table for a lot of schmucks out there, but whatever, you know, I'm fine with that too. <laughs> some people just have it as a Christmas gift and they never open it. But I, I think some people will hopefully be inspired and want to go engage in public lands. Cause it's all we got truly. It's all we have. So, so that's to sum that up. Um, that's, that's the Arizona wilderness book. I, lo I love that. That's, I love that sounds it. like a really awesome project. Um, what you, you started to touch on this a little bit, but what what are some of the other things that you've kind of learned about yourself through the process? Um, well, okay. <laughs> One, be in shape. <laughs> I'm I'm in great shape. I'm in the best shape of my life. 
but you know how that shit goes. But you know the the quietness and loneliness will get to you. Um, photography, long four day, five day, six day trips. I think if you're a professional photographer, you have to. There's no way you're a weekend warrior. Um, you ha- you know what I'm talking about. These five day trips, they can get ugly and dark. Um, it, it's it's uh, healthy. It is. You come back and you you realize. Hey, I got to know myself <laughs> and that's nature is a great mirror. It really is. It, it'll, it'll reflect back on you, uh, who you really are. And, and, uh, those dark moments out there where you're just like, I thought I, I really wanted to be here, but I would do anything to go home right now. Those are beautiful moments too. And I've learned a lot about that. Um, bring coffee <laughs> and, um, you know, Put some money into gear <laughs> and I would say choose companies that lean into sustainability. Good gear is awesome. Good tents, good tripods, good cameras, good bags. You know, over the long haul, it's not just about your knees. It's just about your soul. Like I was winging bullshit gear. Like We all do it, you know, the, the REI garage sale stuff. But man, as you get better at photography and your gear goes up, it's like, this is cool. I have, I have a tent and I'm inside of it and it's raining and there's no water coming in and I can get up in the morning because, you know, my, my Garmin watches, you know, it's, it's all you get what I'm saying. All these wonderful things I've learned. Some of it is physical too, you know, be in shape, have good gear and have an open mind to the darkness of, of being alone. Um, and, and embrace that map, embrace being alone. And, 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 uh, that those, you know, I've learned a lot about, about that specific topic of, of the lonely, lonely nights, uh, to get that one shot in the morning, you know, and, and it's, it can be beautiful. Uh, just, you might not know it at the time. Sure. Uh, I feel like we have similar, um, experiences and references, um, for wilderness and, um, Great. you know, I, w- I would love to talk a little bit more about photography in, in wilderness areas. You know, I do a lot of photography, nice. In those special places as well and and i found somewhat of a conundrum myself to engage thoughtfully as a creator there uh, while minimizing my impact to those places you know in terms of sharing with the world the beauty of these places and the fear that you know lots more people are going to try to go to see these places now that i'm sharing them and or just like the fact that i'm putting myself into these places that are sensitive and what is my impact overall to these places and you know, as a person who loves these places, I also want to protect them. And so I'm curious, kind of what's your thought process and your approach to that conundrum? Well, the, the viewer has some culpability in this too. The viewer of your photography, it, it can't all be on the onus, all can't lie on you. And I do think that the public education system has truly stepped away from ever needing to talk about this. So, you know, I love when parents, I don't have kids, but enroll their kids in, in anything um, outdoor related because when you know the guilt that you're feeling and that 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 it's because you love what you're doing you know it's like I'm married and I would I want my wife's name to always be uplifted and if I had a family in my business I own it, always wanted to be pure well that's because you love it and that's the feeling we get from wilderness but the viewer also has some culpability here and I, I I'm hoping we especially my problem truly is moving to the suburbs for this air conditioned golfing shopping lifestyle that's i'm not going to talk crap about people because that's okay that they do that that's that's what they want to do but 
the first time they get that four wheeler or that quad or that, you know, that, that journey out, I don't know that they're ready for it. Um, it feels like it's meant to fuck up. It feels like it's, uh, you know, a joy ride, you know, um, it's supposed to happen. And so, you know, it's a two way street and that's why I think it's important for photographers to, again, when I saying be vulnerable to understanding that it's okay to be emotional about some things and talk to, um, anyone who follows you or buys your stuff to say, Hey, I want to add a little extra, like this area means a lot to me and I want you to see it too. Um, but consider, you know, simple leave no trace policies, but can, but consider that, you know, it's already degraded from its state from 20 years ago. I hope people pass this on to the kids. I hope it's not all politics and social issues all the time. I hope there's some room left. You know, when you talk about global warming, it's, it's, it's not even real anymore. Um, it's just show fodder. Like I, I hope people understand that it's real. This, this, uh, landscape is a physical form and you can take your kids to it. And so when they grow up and see your post, they're not dumbasses. Um, and they're not kind of, lost in the idea of seeing it themselves. Um, and that takes some work from society that, that, that means that their local, um, it might not be the government ever, but their local, like even the state park system does a pretty good job here in the state of Arizona and their state government of giving a place to responsibly go and enjoy nature. And they clean up the trash after you and they teach you, don't be a dickhead next time. Um, as well as they can. I love to hear that because that means that the moments you and I have where we feel like, gosh, I'm showing somebody something. Well, the viewer shouldn't be an idiot. <laughs> and I feel like we have a lot of in common as well. But, you know, that feeling, it's like uh, with my, with craft brewery, I, I feel the same way about alcohol. Like I'm hoping you don't fucking drink eight of these and drive. You, that's stupid. I hope you learn something in life. And, and it's the same as photography. Like you can see a waterfall and not go fucking naked jumping through with your beers and bottles. And like, you can do that human, other human, and you can go view it and not um, mess the whole thing up. So, you know, like this two way street. And again, going back to like Instagram being positive is maybe we talk about that a little more. It's okay to want to go there. It's okay to even go there, but consider that you have to be a big boy and girl. (laughs) Um, And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's just how that is, you know? So I don't want, I don't want photographers to ha- take all the onus and pressure. It's like the viewers should too. You know, it's like, if you watch CSI, you're going to go have to murder somebody, you know, it's like, it's silly, but there is a level of responsibility in all level. Brilliant. Well, Jonathan, I would love for you to tell us who you would recommend our listeners know more about or that, or someone that we should get here on the podcast. No questions asked. My favorite photographer, one of my best friends. I sat on a stoop with him um, on here in Arizona a long time ago, probably eight to 12 years ago. You know, one of those blurry memories. And he said to me, I'm going to be the best photographer in the state. Not in no ego at all, but I have a goal of being an amazing photographer is what he's saying. And I said about the same with the craft brewery, you know, whatever we said, it was adorable. I bet, you know. Uh, Wait, yeah, did no. you guys have, did you guys have a little beer in you when you said that? Oh, of course, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, of course, it, right? Yeah, of course. And, yeah, um, and his name is Joel Hazelton, and he is the I think the most uh, he makes the most contributions now to Arizona Highways because he's a badass. He you can see his photography without his name and know it. Um, he's humble. He's very wise. He uh, you know he he's learned his methods and his rhythm, and I'll. I'll 
I'll be jealous numerous times. And I'm like, God damn it. He's already, you know, he's locked into a scene 35 minutes before he needs to be. And he's going to stay there and that shot's going to get printed. You know, he just, he's, he plays it cool. Um, He's just a great guy, but Joel is becoming well known here in the state and you have him on. He's, he's the perfect guy to talk to. He's very technical in his photography, but he's also um, very creative, you know, and, and that's the, we all strive for that, right? Technical creativity where you're, you're able to be an artist, but you actually line things up. Um, so Joel's perfect for that. And, you know, you can't miss Joel cause he's literally this month's Arizona highways that I have three shots and he's the cover. And that's just where he's been landing almost every time. And, you know, he's got a full-time job. So, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, you get it. It's a tough, it's a tough game to be a good photographer, have full-time job and be a backpacking landscape photographer. So he's, he's, that's me. yeah. Yep. I, and, and, and more, get power, it. more power to you, um, for having a podcast about this. When I heard the name of this, I was like, dude, that's too perfect. Have stuff collaborate. Um, well done, and I love I love that you're allowing me to talk about someone like Joel, and you know th- those are positive things um, you're offering to the world. So thanks for that. No, oh, well, thank you. Um, I really appreciate everything you had to say tonight, and and um, I just I can't wait to see the book when it comes out. And please do let us know when it does, so we can help help promote the promote it out there in the world. Yeah, let's stay in touch. I'll um, <clears throat> I'll send you an email after this and make sure a box of beer makes it your way because uh, a lot of those things we talked about aren't the only things we stop at. We do use majority Arizona ingredients. So we'll have an adjunct that's, you know, e- even if it's just roasted coffee up the road at a company, it's like we really like to incorporate Arizona small business. So I'll send you a box of beer and we can stay in touch, maybe uh, meet up on the trail. Um, petrified forest ain't that far between the two of us and Joel and I love petrified PFO. So maybe we meet up there and get lost in there and find some hoodoos and, and, uh, you know, do what we do. I love it, man. Well, thanks to Jonathan for joining me today on the podcast. I can't wait to see your book project come to life. It's just so inspiring to hear how other photographers focus their energy on things that are for the public good and for a cause other than themselves. Keep up the great work. Before we part ways, I wanted to tell you that we finally landed on awesome t-shirt design. If you'd like to order a t-shirt that has my face with vanilla ice's hair on it, then and help support the show and show your love for the show. <laughs> That's a lot of shows. check out the link in the show notes it's pretty fantastic and hilarious we need to get to we we need to get 40 more people to order one before december 19th or else no one gets one so please order one so that we can have everyone have everyone get one well thanks for your help well that's all for now thanks for stopping in collaborating with us and listening see you next week